is my podcast where I deep dive into matters surrounding HR tech and the future of work. I was a former HR serial entrepreneur and write extensively about the future of work on my blog. You may know me better through the Singapore HR tech market map that I created in 2017. In this podcast, I speak with the people who are enabling the future of work. From mindfulness coach to employee engagement platform, they are all helping companies to better navigate rising work and business demands. I'm hoping their sharing in this podcast will help you better prepare yourself and your business for what the future of work may bring. My guest today is Rick Hammer. He is the founder and chief executive officer of Elements Global Services. Under his leadership, Elements Global Services has pioneered a new business model for the global employment industry and has become one of the fastest growing, risk-diverse and high-profit employer of record in the sector. Hi, Rick. Thank you for coming on to the show. Hey, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for uh, having us. Could you give us an understanding of who you are and the chain of events that led you to Elements and perhaps also an elaboration of what Elements does? Sure. Elements Global Services, we are what they call an employer of record. And you ask, what is an employer? We basically simplify the ability for companies to expand their businesses. And I'll give you an example of that. A company who comes to um, us and says, look, they want to hire talent in Japan, but they don't have an entity in that country. We actually hire the employees on their behalf, allowing them to expand the market, a speed to market, without having to do the registration and set up of any entities in a certain country, allowing them speed to market, allowing them to test the market, allowing them to get into markets to really support their clients and expand their businesses. I can tell you a little bit about how we got started. Elements got started because previously to Elements, I was the head of HR for a global government contractor, supporting business in Saudi Arabia, Singapore, Japan, and a few other small countries. And we were in the same predicament. We needed to uh, move pretty quickly. We, had entity, we didn't have entities in those countries completely at that time. And I needed to find a way to make sure that my employees were paid and that I honored my contract with the U.S. government at that time. And I found a, a solution that was similar to employer. I set up with them. I got my employees onboarded. I, any visas required, they were processed. <clears throat> but we started to run into a lot of hiccups because that particular provider had outsourced to local companies. Um, and sometimes that local company outsourced to another provider. So in a situation where employees weren't getting paid on time, I had to go through three or four providers. So when I left that organization, I said, look, I think there's a really good um, business market for a situation similar to that. But how we were going to get started was to set up our own entities. We were not going to be the middleman. From a client experience, I realized that the employee, the employee experience was really important. And I wanted to make sure I mitigated that risk in doing that. Our first investment was setting up entities around the world um, to build our business. As we continued to grow, we started to bring on a number of clients who really understood that direct model was really important to them. They were working with other providers like I did in my previous life. And they really latched onto that direct model component. We continued to expand. And I remember putting our first office outside the US in the UK. And then if you look at seven years later, where you've got uh, 17 offices around the world, work site employees, or excuse me, internal employees that are remote in over 25 additional countries above and beyond. And then we operate in 160 countries. So within seven years, we had a lot of expansion. I tell, I want to say with our organization, I always say, we, I remember signing my first deal in our kitchen and now we have a very big kitchen supporting our entire organization around <laughs> the world. Really, when we think about what, what we do, as I mentioned before, I was a client 
of, of a competitor in the past. Ultimately, I wanted to make sure that I, someone didn't go through that same situation that I did. I wanted to make sure that we were really helping organizations, small to mid-sized organizations and some large organizations and truly simplifying global expansion and really giving them ability to compete, which was really important to me as well. So really taking that client experience and building something that was really going to be inevitably something that was going to really allow many companies to do what we were doing, which was competing in the global market. For people who may be not that familiar with employee records, could you just give an example, just pick any country and help us to understand the time it would take for a company to do their own incorporation to the day where they are able to get uh, feet on the ground, i.e. their first employee versus going through an EOR. So I'll use China, for example. China could take up to 18 months to set up a legal entity to register your entity. Now, that doesn't mean to actually do the registration for all your social security or your benefits. I can take another four to six weeks to do that. So if you really think about 18 months to 24 months to set up an entity in China, where versus working with an employer of record or EOR, we can onboard employees as soon as two weeks in China. So speed to market is really important from that perspective. 18 months to 24 months compared to two weeks. That's how fast we can get people onboarded. 18 months sounds ridiculous. Is it the, the longest and the lengthiest for a country or are there other that could even take? It really depends on the country and the type of entity that you're looking to set up. But there are countries that have taken longer. It really depends on the relationship of the local national or the entity nationality or the, the management and nationality in the country that they're looking to set up. I've seen entities in the continent of Africa take um, longer. I've seen delays in certain countries like Russia, and I've seen delays in countries like Brazil, just because the rules are regular. So sometimes it's taking a lot longer to do, but it really just depends on what type of entity you're setting up and then where your headquarters or the nationality of the owner would be based at as well, which determines how the entity would be set up and the time frame it will take to set up. So in essence, what Elements did was, of course, to front load and absorb that 18 months, 24 months. And since it's a one-time thing, then subsequently any companies that want to piggyback on your distribution would not have to incur the same 18, 24 months. That's correct. We did all the upfront work and we did the investment in front of me on behalf of the client as well. I think the really important part is that when you're also setting up entities and sometimes for startups, cash flow is really important. And you have to do investment in certain countries. I'll give you an example in um, South Korea. In South Korea, you have to put down roughly about $85,000 that has to sit in a bank account when you first get started. Now, you think about a small business who's looking to expand their market and they, they may not have the capital or the investment they need to start their business or to be able to go into those particular countries. They don't have to do that with us. We've already done that. So we're really eliminating not only the speed, but the cash flow issues that they may have to actually set up an entity. It sounds to me, any company that has interest in expanding uh, their businesses globally, regionally, should really just move into a, your a kind of arrangement. But would that be reach a point where a company would reach a stage in their life and they say, okay, I've outgrown your... What are the pros and cons pragmatically when it comes to such... I think that's a great question. And I think a lot of us in the industry don't talk about that enough. There's inevitably a cliff where you grow to a certain size in a given country where it just makes sense to maybe set up an entity in that given country. And so that may be typically anything over 35 to 50 uh, employees in a given country. Now, if a company has 50 employees over 50 countries, it makes sense to continue to partner with an EOR. 
because you've got one employee on average in a given country. But when you build scale, um, scale and mass in a certain country, it may be advantageous to work with them to look at more cost-effective approaches, set up an entity, and then transition your employees underneath your entity. Managed payroll services tend to be a fraction of the cost. And because you're of that particular scale and country, you don't have to, you won't need someone to take on that liability for you because you've mass that scale. And working with a partner who's able to transition you from an employer of record solution to a managed payroll solution is one that you want to look at as well, because they have the uh, capability of, you know, reducing any possible mistakes or any possible transition or impacts to employee employees in that given country. So working with a partner like Elements, we're able to do that transition for clients when they get to scale. We always think about our client lifecycle. Given what we are experiencing right now under COVID-19, has that somehow impacted the business and also accelerated people's appetite to consider EOR? Absolutely. We continually hear about organizations who are looking to find out alternative ways to hire employees or find talent. There are many times I've had, I've had conversations with our clients uh, and prospects who said, look, I just got a call from an employee who's based in Singapore, but for some reason they moved to China or they moved to India or they moved to the UK and we want to retain that talent, but we don't have an entity in those countries. But how do we retain that talent and stay compliant with the local rules and regulations of that country? So an, an employer of record gives them that possibility or an, op, an opportunity or an option for them to retain that talent. <clears throat> now, in addition to that, companies have looked at alternative ways to reduce some of their cost. So going into countries that have low, lower labor cost has allowed companies to stay afloat where they were probably um, losing revenue in certain countries. So it gives them a lot more flexibility to find talent around the world. And then also with COVID-19, we found that clients, uh, clients were still looking at ways to service their clients. How do we make sure that if you can't be, can't get on a plane, you can't go meet them in a meeting, you can't take them out to lunch. If you can get talent in the same time zone, that can support that client, it's still almost as good. And so we found that a lot of clients were just looking at ways to service their clients by putting talent in those regions that could service those clients or maybe they were supporting more remotely and doing once in a while visits. So the employer record model during COVID has just grown like crazy because we were able to really support those alternative solutions to get clients to help grow their business. You raised a very good point. I was recently approached by a journalist. They are trying to put together a story because they've heard that Mediacorp has provided their employee the ability and the flexibility to work one month in another country. And I would imagine, of course, a company like Mediacorp, and to, to my understanding, Slack does the same thing as well. They, they could easily do it because they already have entities. But with an EOR kind of arrangement, it's not just limited to companies that are huge and has deep pockets because with this arrangement, any company can do it. Yeah, I think that when you look at using the example of South Korea in a setting, having to put $85,000, and that's the minimum, into a bank account versus working with an employer of record that has a one-time setup fee, and you're just paying an app and fee to retain that employee or that talent in that particular country, it's cost-effective. Even if you do the quick math, $85,000 compared to a couple thousand dollars that you'd be spent on the annual basis, you're working with the EOR is at 10 times more savings than setting up your own entity. So a lot more flexibility from that perspective, just to make sure that you can have an alternative solution. Beyond that, there would also be certain things that the employee may have to be aware of, like the country's legislation, employment law, overtime, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
but given that they only have one person on the ground, where, where can would EOR also provide that kind of information as a value-added service to ensure that they are not on the wrong side of legislation? I would like to process that why this is why the direct model is so important. Because we have some skin in the game, meaning because we are the actual employer of record, our goal is to make sure that our clients are fully compliant with all the rules and regulations of that country. So partnering with our clients to understand the complexities of an employment agreement, the complexity of time off, pension payments, vacations or holidays, those are things that we have to make sure that are fully vetted and explain to the clients and partner with them because we are the employer or the legal employer in country on their behalf. So working within a partner that's has in the game that makes sure that our clients are fully compliant is absolutely important. I had mentioned earlier from a compliance perspective, from my, when you're working with third parties or fourth party outsource uh, vendors, sometimes they don't really understand the complexity of that because those, those are their local partners. But having someone that really understands that to make sure our clients are fully compliant, and that's the type of partnership that clients are now allowed to look for. That's how we help. For companies that are keen to engage a service, what are some of the things that they should look out for in order to ensure they pick the right UR? You mentioned earlier on, of course, companies that provide more of a true train approach so they don't actually outsource to or subcon it to other partners. Any other tips and advice you may have? Yeah, I think it really technology is a really important component. What type of technology? How is it going to simplify the client's ability to manage it? So I think that's important. Understanding language capabilities. Sometimes I've seen where cultures are really important to be able to be respected. And so making sure that employees can support languages, could be supported by languages, material can be supported by languages, and being able to really engage from a local perspective, both from the client and the work employee. Another thing I would look at is the ability uh, to support scale. So typically when someone expands one or two employees at first, they tend to want to continue to scale as long as it's been successful with their organization. Last but not least, to really work with a partner an EOR provider who um, has the global footprint to really support a client's ability to expand their business. So when you look at smaller EOR providers who may have 10, 15 countries, um, you got to really look at the footprint. So working with a partner like Elements, where we have the breadth of 160 countries, we have the language capability to support our clients and really understand the support that works at we also have the regional office support. So we're not just looking at working with organizations on US time zones or Singaporean time zones. We're really focused on really giving, you know, 24 six time to really support our clients. And then also you want to work with a partner that really understands what it takes to expand their business globally. The one that's really going to be upfront with you and partner with you at when's the right time to work with EOR, when's the right time to use a service like a contractor pay, or when's a great time to um, transition to managed payroll services, because we really want to make sure that the client's getting the best bang for their buck. That's the only way that's really going to allow clients to expand their businesses. You said about transiting them into contract, into managed payroll services, because for many companies that will be looking into expanding regionally, obviously trying to get people into the country will be step one. But they will also want to make sure that step two, step three, and all that are taken care of. What are those possibilities and options that they would be looking at? And how would that impact the their business operations on a longer term basis? Well, I think it's when the client is ready to take that first step. 
In some cases, employment is an EOR may be a little bit more costly than they're looking for. And if they're just looking to test a talent or some talent that they're putting in a particular country, they may want to do that for a month or two under a contractor pay solution. Many countries only have limitations when contractor, how long a contractor can be, if they're really truly defined as an employee. But working with a partner who can start there and then ready to transition when you're ready to make them an employee. Through the employer record solution, the client again does not need to have a legal entity in that country where we would act as the employer and hire that employee underneath. And then when they scale to certain country, a certain scale in a particular country, as I mentioned earlier, 35 to 50 worksite employees in a given country, then you want a partner that can then transition seamlessly from employer of record to a managed payroll solution and everything that comes in between like setting up your entity, making sure you're registered, making sure your contracts are transferred correctly, and then make sure that you're accurately set up in that particular country, which is really important. So a partner that really understands the entire client lifecycle when it comes to expanding their business. Based on the new businesses that we've received for the past couple of years, are you seeing certain trends when it comes to countries that companies are going into? And is there like a different kind of trend that you'll be seeing as we move forward? It's so funny that you ask that. It's the same question I get asked by my board <laughs> every time I have a board meeting. But it really varies. So it varies based on where the headquarters of the organization is at. So where American companies are expanding into traditionally into Europe and into Asia, you see a lot of Asian companies expanding into African countries and into, into Europe as well. And then you're starting to see European companies expand into the Americas, Latin America and Asia as well. So it really depends on that particular company where they're headquartered at and their industry, which really determines where they're expanding. And depending on the industry, it, they're all growing at certain uh, rates and uh, rates and uh, capacity. With that being said, it really just depends on the overall industry. Uh, the overall organization and how they're going to expand their business. Awesome. So uh, thank you so much for your elaboration on how this whole EOR thing works. I'm very certain for the audience listening out there, they will be interested to learn more. And But before we touch on where they can find out more about Elements, uh, what's next for Elements? What can we expect for the new? I have to say I'm under lock and key a little bit because we just got some really amazing things coming on. But continual growth. Elements has doubled twice this year, our revenue and our support and our clients. So we've had a lot of trajectory growth. We've exceeded our, our annual goals uh, from a gross revenue perspective and our budget. So we're really excited about where we're headed. We've got some more expansion. You probably realize that Elements, we opened up a new office in Lagos this year. We relocated our headquarters office to Chicago. We opened up our San Francisco office and we've expanded our headquarters in Shanghai over this past year. So that's just what we did in 2021. So. When I say that there's a lot more to come in 2022, that's, we're just at the tip of the iceberg right now. So we're super excited for what we're getting ready to deliver and just look out for a couple press releases and marketing efforts that we've got coming up in the next couple couple months. But super excited about where we're headed in 2022. Where can people learn more about Elements? Sure. There's a, there's a couple of outfits for that. So um, first and foremost, they can go to our website, which is www.elementsgs.com. 
Again, that's elementsgs.com. And then you can also follow us on LinkedIn. We have a LinkedIn page under Elements Global Services. That's where we actually put a lot of our press releases, marketing material, white papers, and it's going new, going on new with Elements. In addition to that, we have a Twitter and we also, you can follow us on Facebook, but we're all over social media, but going to our website is the easiest way to get in contact with us. All this will be added into the show notes. Is there any meaning behind GS? Global services. So we uh, really thought about what was the best way to really show that we really understand what it takes to go global. So the best part is putting it into our name. Elements Global Services was what we wanted to come up with and supporting the overall organization. I see. Okay. For a minute, I thought because you couldn't get elements.com, <laughs> but still <laughs> GS definitely make a lot of sense. Rick, thank you so much for making time today to turn up on this podcast recording. Really lovely speaking with you. And to learn more about EOR, I wish you nothing but the best success in the rest of your journey with Elements. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Hunt Show.